0: love it when a reader says, I have no interest in fashion, but I love that story. And I'm like, ah, oh, you do have an interest in fashion because you're not naked. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to You Have to Wear Something. I am still your host, Nicole Briggs, and I love my amazing guests. And today we have another His name is Brandon Earl of Maison, Brandon Earl, and he is a tailor and he is also a black man. And we're going to get into that. I met Brandon um, at an event, uh, one of the few events I went to in person with Delta going crazy, but at room service (laughs) at Beverly Center um, for the premiere of um, the podcast, D.M., um, and, you know, we're rooting for everyone Black, so it's okay to plug another podcast uh, with my good friend Tyree Robinson as host and his friend Audrey. So uh, it was great to meet someone in person and do it in reverse this time. I know we're all meeting digitally lately uh, in this crazy COVID world, but welcome to the show, Brandon. I'm so excited to have you. Uh,
1: thanks, Nicole, for having me. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yay. Now, First things first, really important stuff. What is your astro sign?
1: My zodiac sign? Yes. Uh, I'm a Virgo.
0: Virgo. Okay. Okay. Well, (laughs) happy Virgo season. (laughs) Thank you. And um, that makes sense because you have a lot of different talents. If I think about our conversation and being a tailor is a very precise uh, skit
1: is it's it's close to godliness
0: <laughs> you're like a surgeon right
1: <laughs> exactly exactly
0: okay virgo so we're gonna um i'm gonna try not to make too, too many too many mistakes in front of a perfectionist virgo <laughs> um and uh i was checking out your instagram and it is uh quite Curated, which now also makes sense.
1: All makes sense, and,
0: right? <laughs> yeah, black and white, uh, very elusive. There's a lot of mystery. But when I met you, you know, you you feel pretty um, dynamic and extroverted. You're pretty, uh, you know, chatty, quick, witty. Would you say? That's so it's funny. like it's kind of like funny to to see because I was like, oh, he's like, you know, your energy is up when I met you.
1: And and you know, so funny about that is that I get that all the time. Like there's like such a like contrast between, you know, my brand and and how I present um, tailored clothing with my, uh, you know, with my physical presence and how I am with with people and, you know, being extroverted. And I would consider myself an extroverted introvert. Um, You know, I love being around people. But, you know, I think that when you look at my Instagram and you look at, you know, kind of my brand and my business it is, it's just about that. It's really about, you know, being very precise and being very clean and and very, um, very focused and tailored, if you will, no pun intended.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, you're not, you know, here to flex. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) You're here to uh, run your business. And so let's, let's Let's get into the origin. Let's sure. get into the origin of, sure. of your superpower, which is tailoring. Um, now, did you say that you were self-taught?
1: Uh, so I actually am not self-taught. I, I would like to claim that i, I um, kind of going back all the way to the beginnings of, of the brand. Um, I was um, taught how to create a bow tie um, on a sewing machine with a pattern when I was maybe uh, 16 years old. And that is the, the beginnings or the origin of kind of where I have landed today. But, went to the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York, um, and studying in the menswear design program where I really got the, um, the basics and, um, and onto the finessings of a tailor. Um, and that's kind of where I got my started in, in good old New York.
0: FIT I mean very prestigious right <laughs> I Love mean F-I-T. much respect to that right that's where you go in a in a in America there if you really or Parsons if you really want yep, uh, to learn to design so, absolutely yeah um so when you say 16 so I, I'm curious because so many times teenagers I was just talking to you, a niece of mine and you don't know what you want to do you're just really open like who showed you how to sew that bow tie. Like was it a teacher?
1: It's funny. I actually um I went to and I, I don't think I've ever told anyone this story. I actually ended up going to um it's kind of like a, a bazaar or like a a um, a clothing mart um and was walking around this clothing mart um and saw a guy um, and his wife um, in the back sewing clothes. And something was like, ask him if he will teach you how to sew a bow tie. And um, I ended up asking him just kind of out of fearlessness and, you know, just kind of the goal and and, and went up to him and said, hey, my name is Brandon. You know, I, I'm, I'm interested in menswear. I don't know the first thing about it, but um, if you would be willing to take a few, You know, minutes out of your day, I can come back another day and, you know, if you could teach me how to at least just sew a bow tie or just use this machine, I would be more than grateful. And he obliged, he and his wife obliged, and uh, I was back, I think, the following day with, you know, newspaper to create a sewing pattern um, and scissors and a pencil and a notepad and and he taught me how to sew and I still had that bow tie today, I wish I knew. Um, how to get in contact with with uh, with that couple, but um, that was my first foray into menswear, and um, I've been at it ever since.
0: Oh, that's cool because most um, teenagers are very shy and yeah. standoffish. Um, so that was really dope that you just had like a spark, and you were like, "Hey, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for what I want," and yep. then that sets you on a path, right? Completely. Um, Okay, and so let's fast forward. So when people go to fashion school, you know, um, there's still, there's a lot of abstract ideas that flow around, you know, when you're in school. And then there's also then the reality of turning that into a career. So talk to me about after school, you know, after you graduate and you're like, okay, you know, people become pattern makers, they become co-designers of bigger brands or they're just on staff. So what was that? Journey like after graduation?
1: Well, I will have to say that I am um, proud to be a fashion school dropout. Um, oh, okay,
0: cool. I, I know actually... I'm loving it. I mean, all the greats are, right?
1: <laughs> <Dave> Gates, it's <laughs> funny. That's, that,
0: that,
1: that's what I hear that all the greats are, uh, they, they drop out. But um, my story um, I was actually, um, I started at FIT that first year in the Mentor Design Program, which is a very intense program, uh, very, very, um, very rigorous by design um, and very time consuming. Um, And it's a program that I think accepted, I think 21 students from all over the country and each year, I mean all over the world. And each year uh, there's another 21 that come in and and start the program. Um, And after my first year, um, actually maybe three quarters of the way through my first year, um, I started looking for um, for, uh, internship opportunities. And those internship opportunities um, were um, of major importance to me because I was an untraditional um, student in that I had already graduated from Morehouse College. Um, I had traveled overseas and lived overseas for some time. And I was in older, um, classmate in the cohort. Um, so I was a little bit older than most of my others, other classmates who were, you know, just graduating from high school. Um, so in order for me to survive in New York, I had to have a full-time job and I needed to be, you know, as focused and as dedicated, um, into this program, um, as possible because I knew that I had one chance. Um, and my parents weren't paying for it. It was, they were, That was a no across the boards. It was Brandon, if this is something that you want, you have to go and do it. Um, So between working at 24 Hour Fitness um, at three o'clock, from three o'clock in the morning to about seven o'clock in the morning, uh, where I got off at FIT. You know, FIT, we would be in school until about six o'clock in the afternoon, starting at seven. Um, And then we would go from, you know, after we got out of class into a sewing lab where we had, you know, to create our projects or create whatever it is that our our professor asked of us. And then, you know, me, um, like I said, being an untraditional student, I had to go to work and thank God for 24 Hour Fitness because they were open 24 hours so I could go and sleep under a desk for an hour, run down to the gym stand post there at the front desk and check in members from three o'clock to seven o'clock every day. Um, and then run back to campus to start class again at seven o'clock in the morning. And that was, you know, a perpetual. I didn't have time to go to my little apartment up in Harlem throughout the week um, just because the program was that rigorous. And I say that to say, um, you know, it was important for me to find um, a means of income um, throughout the summer because I knew that you know when school closed um, I needed to to really have a handle on kind of what the trajectory was. Um, so I actually applied to uh, Rothorn's internship program, summer internship program um, that were accepting, um, students who, you know, from all over the country who wanted to participate in some aspect of design, if it were merchandising, if it were marketing, if it were marketing, if it were design, if it were, you know, HR. Um, and I applied and actually got into this program, um, that lasted for, uh, the duration of the summer. Um, and from the end of that summer program, that summer program was very rigorous and intense and you know, it, it culminated with a um, student design um, project presentation. So it was a competition between all the students that were in the um, summer program uh, where we had the opportunity to present in front of Ralph Lauren uh Ralph Lauren's brother Jerry who was the head of the men's tailor clothing or the menswear design program oh, that's um really and dope. then um a lot of different heads of all of Ralph Lauren and long story short I uh was the runner up to the first place uh guy who coincidentally was one of my Morehouse brothers um and was hired um on the spot to work for Ralph Lauren in the men's and the women's denim, women's denim department uh, so I didn't go back to school.
0: Well, there's no reason. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is. I mean, why go back and get more debt, right? right and then right, also, right, you right. said you were running up to another guy what they call
1: out of the house, right? Exactly. The house. Exactly. <laughs> so he so he
0: was a black guy
1: too? He was a black guy too. And it was such a, it was such a coincidence because, you know, I didn't know him from Adam. Uh he had just graduated from Morehouse and had always been a long-term Raw Lauren aficionado. He had come through the stores. He was working through the stores. Um and we were the only two black guys uh running through the streets of New York trying to create and be uh be seen. Um and we both um, actually ended up working, um, at Ralph Lauren and became best of brothers and friends and did a lot of great things together.
0: Oh, that was amazing. I yeah. like this origin story. And then yeah. you know, of course, you know, about all those crazy lowheads. Exactly. you know, not just in New York, but you know, I mean, I know Kanye claims to be one, but you know, that right. he, was, he was a little late Late to the party, we won't get into yay. Thank in this you party. for
1: the acknowledgement there. Yeah, That's
0: we're not going to get into yay, you know, and <laughs> his late to the game, low collecting. But anyway,
1: thank um, you. <laughs> A little bit of uh, some, some acknowledgement there. We worked our ass. Yeah, on yeah, this.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> it, I mean, you know, you can't, like you said, you can't tell him nothing now. We really can't. We can't tell him nothing. <laughs> um, But uh, okay, so I love the beginning of that. And so now, your tailoring. Well, you know what? I'll let you tell me. Tell me about the business, Maison Brandon.
1: So my business is, um, it's a men's tailored clothing business that was birthed out of my time spent designing um, purple label and black label and polo tailored clothing for Ralph Lauren for seven years. Um, I took a an extreme um, just liking and, and and you know proclivity to the skill and the craftsmanship behind tailoring um, and tailored clothing and and fabrics. Um, when I was working at Ralph, I was a, a fabric a textile designer. So okay. a lot of what I did had to do with textiles um, and the creation of uh, certain textiles that went into the fabrication or the makeup of the clothes that we would then uh, create into a tuxedo and then sell to uh, the market. Um, So I then, um, from that experience, um, said this is what I wanna do for the rest of my life. um, And in turn started um, a few um, other kind of fledgling brands, uh, made to measure clothing brands where, you know, I stepped away from Ralph um, because I said that, you know, I gave myself five years um, and then ended up staying seven and then resigned and said, you know, it's time for me to do my thing. And Ralph, you know, Ralph had a vision. Um, I have a vision, and um, it's time for me to execute. So I actually started um, doing uh, made-to-measure tailored clothing for uh, different athletes, uh, celebrities, people who, you know, were getting married. Guys who were getting married who needed tuxedos. Um, they would come to me for for that. So I started there, um, and out of that, that was um, a a brand called Brandon or New York. Um, and out of that was birthed Maison Brandon Earl, um, which I am in the throes of really bringing to market, uh, ready to wear, uh, men's tailored clothing, um, elevated, uh, tuxedos and, um, tailored clothing for men, uh, with a sustainable action, with a sustainable, um, action as well, um, and wanting to make sure that, you know, being a steward of, um, you know of, of craftsmanship and, and tailoring um, we have a responsibility and I've always said that you know anyone who is in in, in design has a, a responsibility to really be designing thoughtfully and really be designing with a sense of responsibility in mind. Um, fashion, the fashion industry is the second largest polluter world and you know it would it. it would be a disservice for us to continue to be you know in this position that we that we have and not be responsible with the platform um so Maison Brand & Earl is birthed out of those two different um those two different um, worlds of sustainability and men's tailored clothing, and making sure that those mill together in order to really bring forward um, responsibility within in clothing design and clothing manufacturing.
0: I love that. And I love the acknowledgement because, you know, sometimes when you're getting the bag and you're getting your experience, you've worked with for a luxury brand you're like look like all of that like I'm not concerned about all of that you know right I'm a black man in America right you You gotta make this money (laughs) right 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 like like I'm Rummy my check you know right right um so i love that there's a bigger vision and a mission at hand Um, i know and and that's why i wanted to interview you too because i was like okay okay like he's not just like getting the bag and doing this thing he also has the community and environment absolutely uh, on his mind and and also i think a lot of that and i don't want to you know assume but i i find that a lot of um you know alumni out of hbcus have a little bit of a deeper sense of, of pride when it comes to like community and things like that, would you would you say so? Do, do do Black students come out, well, touch more proud, you would say?
1: Absolutely. You know, I think that that was one of the main things that, you know, I, you know, took pride in when I, I stepped into Ralph Lauren. Ralph Lauren as a world um, is uh, really steeped in that Americana collegiate university Harvard Yale Princeton mm-hmm. um you know higher higher realms of, of you know education um and I take the same pride when I brought more else to Raw you know we our, our, our pennant deserved to be right next to, to the rest of the schools, you know and I try to bring that every day, um, that sense of pride and that sense of community. Knowing that you know there are other uh, black guys who are coming behind me, who you know are gonna are gonna step into this space one day, and it's it should be okay that they are there. One um, and two, um, I'm a representation of those who are to come. You know, and I had to show and prove um, so that those doors would be open for for those who come um, come behind me. Um, so yes, there is a, a greater sense of pride um, that we have coming from an HBCU, but also just you know coming from how I was raised and you know being raised in Sacramento and having a community and a village behind me that you know taught me to reach back and, and give and you know it's not just and I think that that's one thing that you might and and most people don't necessarily recognize this in my Instagram. I'm very elusive and not you know it's not me in the forefront. Um, Right now because it's not necessarily just about me, you know, it's about it's about the vision It's about really understanding that, you know, it's not just about running to the bag It's about it's definitely about the bag because the bag is going to secure the future of the business and the brand But it's also about the commitment to Commitment to others commitment to you know, our planet commitment to you know, to a global community You know, there's a responsibility and I think that that is what has kind of shown forth in um, a lot of my education, um, and just the way, that I was re- the way that I was raised, you know.
0: Yeah, um, I want to talk a little bit about California, because, you know, I'm from Chicago, and I always say it. Chi-Town. Chicago. Okay, all right. <laughs> and, um, but I've been in LA for 10 years, and, um, you know, you rarely meet people who are actually from California, from LA, mm-hmm. and places like Sacramento. And then you spent all that time you know um sharpening your knife in mm-hmm. uh new york and now you're back mm-hmm. um so tell me about that whole trip you know and i know you mentioned going to china too you know but yeah. <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna try to keep all of the story that is uh earl but um you you were in New York, but you left New York. So tell me about that. Are you happy to be back and, and now continuing your business here? Is it the celebrity or the entertainment industry? Like, tell me about that transition.
1: Um, so I I will say that the transition was was definitely um, was planned in in regards to knowing um, my market, knowing you know where it is that I need to that I feel as though. Um, the market lies in order to create a successful business. Um, I'd always want, I've always wanted to, you know, to really learn and cultivate my craft in New York. Um, But I know and knew that coming to LA would probably be one of the more beneficial moves um, in terms of, you know, really getting the business off the ground and getting the business running. Um, So after New York, um, I, I made my way back to LA. Um, I've been here for about three years. Um, just made three years actually uh, last month. Um, okay, welcome back. Welcome thank back. you. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Welcome to
0: no more winters. <laughs> no more winters.
1: That you can have the New York winters. I spent a little stint in Chicago. Love Chicago, but you guys can keep those winters too. Yeah, um, yeah. Yep. And, <laughs> and we talked. We discussed that when, I, when we first met, but. Uh, yeah, um, I, I I love being in LA. Um, I feel as though this is, you know, this is my first time being, you know, an adult really in California school in Sacramento. Um, I left and and really, you know, never looked back in terms of just exploring the world, living overseas and, you know, living in New York and, you know, going to school in Atlanta. Uh, you know, there was just a lot that I felt as though I needed to get in order to kind of really bring my vision to, to you know, full circle. And uh, I think that I've gotten that now, and you know I'm able to kind of, you know, this sum of all of my experiences are being poured into Maison Brandon Earl, and I, you know, I'm I'm forever grateful for my travels, but you know here is home, um, and I'm I'm taking over, <laughs> ready to take yeah,
0: over. Yeah, no, yeah, LA is really fun once you like come back, and you know the waiter is offering, you know five different milks at the table, you know
1: what I'm saying? And I'm vegan, so I mean, it it helps me, you know, tremendously in terms of finding food. Like, you know, New York, when I was living in New York, it was a little bit difficult because, you know, people weren't really on the vegan trend. Um, But here in LA, everybody's, you know, trying to become plant-based, so this just works for me effortlessly. It's perfect.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's easy to eat healthy. Every time you walk somewhere, it's like salad on the go-go. Exactly. You know, Plant-based hello based burgers. And, yeah, <laughs> vegan burgers. Yep. You know, yeah, I, I hope, you know, I tried to order that uh, vegan burger that I recommended to you, and they are like, temporarily closed oh, i hope no. that i hope that delta didn't get to them but anyway y'all if you're ever in la like the beef burger at honeybee i i have dreams about this burger and i still eat meat so that lets you know like how how good it is it's damn good damn good but um okay so i, I, want, I want to ask you some um cool questions like what is your favorite part of your business. Then we're gonna get into what you don't like, but what, what what do you like? Like, what do they say kind of, what's the bloom in your business?
1: Ooh, what is the bloom in my business? Uh, the bloom in my business, um, what I love about my business is the way that guys look when they have on good clothes. I think that it's to me about um, what I deliver um, in terms of a product and a service. You know, um, my dad taught me the ins and outs of, you know, dressing well and and, and looking the part um, and feeling good about yourself. And, you know, just as much as I do, when you look good, you feel good. You're confident about moving through spaces, you know. Um, you and are. Um, I, you know, one way in one area um, that I've always loved to live in, this world that I've loved to live in um, has always been the world of black tie. Um, I've always been, you know, even from being in botillion and being an escort for a debutante when I was growing up. Those experiences lent themselves to me wanting to live in this world. Um, so to put on that first tuxedo and tie and have my dad tie that first bow tie. Um, so for me to be able to give that to others, um, not just men, but just you know young boys, guys who are coming up um, who don't know how to tie a bow tie, who don't know what it feels like to have on, you know, a, a, a tapered sleeve, um, you know, those types of things excite me. So that's the joy that I get out of it, is the excitement that others have when they're wearing good clothes.
0: Yeah, like tailoring is a must. People don't realize that, like, even a lot of the clothes that maybe you'll donate to Goodwill, like, you know, oh, they're too big or they're too long. Like a lot of stuff. Like I'm, I'm, I'm short. Like I'm maybe five three. I that's an exaggeration, <laughs> but, um, but you know it's uh, it's like just shorten I have to shorten everything yep. the tailor is your best friend like it, it's a, it makes a world of difference
1: absolutely absolutely I don't think that you could ever buy anything off of a rack that would make you feel as good as you would as if you had it tailored you know
0: yeah, and don't wait till your wedding dress at your wedding to have right. something tailored. Because right. even like, I was working at Monique Lhuillier and taking women through the process of it being made from scratch is very yes. thrilling Absolutely. and kept being measured. But like, I mean, your wardrobe could fit
1: like Peace. that. Exactly, and you know what the thing is is that because we live in this this time where everything is is quick, you know, aside from fast fashion, which I don't want to get into because we can spend yeah, all day on just, that, but i really gonna get into you know, it. A fan. I ain't don't wear that stuff.
0: I don't fool everything. around with fast fashion at all. But exactly. yeah, that's another that's another episode. That's a whole other yeah.
1: podcast for another yeah. day. <laughs> um, but you know, because we're we live in a society where it's instant gratification and you want it now, you want it quick. You know, a lot of people have have you know away from the taking time to you know really invest in yourself and invest in your clothes um and invest in you know the way that you look and and you know that's so important to me and you know studying you know the the days of couture and you know when you know christian dior and and, you know Laurent and all you know these houses that, you know, specialize in, you know, taking time to create a garment for, you know, one individual that run true to me. And that there's something so special to me about the creation of a garment um, that's fit and made for one person. You know, that, that garment is especially for that one person. And, you know, if we could get back to those days, I would be in heaven. You know, I'm kind of an old soul when it comes to to, to clothing. Okay. Um, and, you know, if, if I can do my part in you know, that even that speaks to the sustainability aspect of, as well. You know, when you're talking about one of a kind as opposed to mass production um, and mass consumption and, you know, all of that, that the consumption that, you know, we take for granted that ends up in landfills. And, you know, there's just so much to, you know, really taking time and slowly, you know, droves for yourself. Those things are very important to me, and I think that that speaks and rings true um, through to the DNA of my brand and, and what I'm offering um, as a tailor and as, you know, as a cloth maker and as someone who's 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 designing clothes for men who really want that experience. That's that's important to me.
0: Yeah, because look, I tell people all the time, I wear the same shit every day. Yeah. Like, I'm <laughs> rotating outfits from like, 06. I still have my first yeah. two Gucci slides from 98 okay so and they're comfortable and beautiful and that you know they still they still work and And they do their job
1: right they do their job and I think that that's you know done and I've
0: been looking great
1: right and and one thing that Ralph taught me was you know live in your luxury you know don't be scared of your luxury you know I have you know I have my Gucci loafers that I that I put on ice but you know when I when I want to step out and I want to look nice I'm wearing them and, you know, if I have to run down the street and I'm wearing them, because that's what they, they, you, you pay that money because that's what you're paying for. You're paying for those quality materials that will, that will allow you to last. a lot of those, those materials and those things to last. Um, you know, it's funny. Sometimes I have to remind myself that everyone isn't necessarily as educated about costing, you know, when you get into luxury. Yeah, um, you know, they really don't know
0: what it takes. What
1: it takes to to you know the time and those materials that are being sourced from these you know these these very you know random places in the world that create this luxury that allows you to to have your Gucci slides or your Gucci your Gucci loafers for for years and you can hand them down and you know there's something special about that you know.
0: I think so. I think so. I think it's a big difference between shopping and collecting. You Correct. Know? Correct um so let's get into the thorn what's the
1: thorn of the business Ooh, the thorn the thorns plural plural Um. thorns (laughs) multiple multiple thorns um entrepreneurship um while it is a bloom um it can be a thorn um if you don't have your head on straight um there are a lot of moving pieces um that you know you're just you just have to have your head on a swivel um, I think that that is one of the the more um, precious pieces of a of an entrepreneur's life. Um, that you know the rose sits on top, but the thorns are kind of at the stem, um, because you know there are a lot of things that you just kind of always have to just be prepared for. You know you can take three steps forward and then you're not back one or two, um, but then it's up to you to get back to that four and five. Um, in order to really kind of, you know, continue to to be on top of, of, of the game. Um, I think that right now, a th- um, which I believe, I don't like to necessarily see thorns. I like to always see the bloom on the other side, but COVID and Delta uh, from my business uh, has definitely caused, you know, some disruptions in supply chains. Um, You know, there's a lot of uncertainty in the markets and yarns and, you know, production and and textiles. Um, You know, a lot of things are changing and the way that business is being done is is changed. A lot of mills have closed. A lot of factories are closing. Um, So there's just a lot of uncertainty. Um, But I do believe to turn that thorn into, you know, a rose. Um, I do believe that a lot of what is happening now is going to only structure those businesses that are, are kind of in the throes of entrepreneurship. We're able to be malleable, um, as opposed to disrupting the way that we've always done things, you know? So we're kind of, you know, ebbing and flowing with how, you know, the waters of, of the, you know, the rough waters will take us, you know, and we either sink or swim. Um, and I think that's kind of where where everything is is right now in terms of you know, across all markets, you know, everything is ebbing and flowing and and everyone's just kind of rocking the boat um, or big rocked in their own boat um, in order to really weather the storm and come out on the other side.
0: Yeah, I was reading about Tom Ford because you know they interviewed all these fashion moguls about COVID in the future of fashion mm-hmm. and you know, we've always had like recessions and things like that. And what he said is like, look, like in terms of fashion, we're very repressed, mm-hmm. you know, and I know we're in our sweats now, but we're going to want to get back in a suit or absolutely. we're going to want to get back in heels. Because, you know, there's a lot of rhetoric around like, I'm never going to wear heels to get you. It's yeah, gonna right. Be, there's going to be a time where you're going to want to put on absolutely that stuff you know, like when I put on my, my Philip Limb jumper to come to that thing with you, I was like, Matt, I don't remember these shorts. Tight. <laughs> I'm like, these shorts are tight on my ass. Like, I do not recall, this used to be a loose thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right, right. So, you but, balled, but, you know, balled. that reminded me of you know, I used to kind of wear this stuff all the time mm-hmm. and go places all the time and, and I missed that. I was like, wow, I got invited to something. It was literally like a hundred things. It felt like a new closet. Like, what yep. am I going to Wear, you
1: Absolutely. Know?
0: Absolutely. So um, you have to wear something, that. right? Yeah, you gotta wear something. You have to wear something. <laughs> Don't go to jail now.
1: Don't go to jail. Uh, but you have to wear something. Nude. Uh, and
0: then I guess I'll ask too since the I think the future is bright if people would just, you know, act properly, like they have some damn sense with their mask. Right. Um. What are the seeds that you're planting? Like, what does the future look like? Ideally, what's the vision? And you don't have to share all Mm -hmm. of, you know, your secrets, but just, you know, where do you see this going?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I think my business model is built on what's next, you know, what's to come. Um, I think that there is a lot of excitement behind, you know, if we ever and when we get out of COVID and Delta and hopefully not Lambda and Theta and Zeta and all those. But um, I think that what is to come is that there is going to be a, a, a blossoming of the world. I think that, you know, we're going to want to travel more. I think that we're going to want to do and, and go places and be seen and, and you know, and, and enjoy life. And I think that that is a large part of where, you know, my brand comes into play um, is, you know, we're we're about to start stepping out again. You know, I think that men are going to want to start getting dressed up again. Um, I've seen ads. ASAP Rocky has an ad. I, I, I don't remember the brand. Um, it might make I, I might, it might have been Calvin, but um, he was saying, you know, it's time for you to, to to step outside of, you know, those house clothes. Like, you know, it's time to get back into some of the things. And a large part of, of of my brand is 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 party culture. You know, you're getting dressed up, it's the holidays, you know, um, it's wedding season, it's botillion season, you know, it's gala season, it's fundraiser season, like we're making money, there's money to be made, you know, and people want to be seen and they want to enjoy life. And I think that parties, I think that private parties, I think, you know, there's going to be a resurgence of a lot of, you know, those, those, those events, you know, the roaring twenties, you know, there's, you know, every hundred years, things kind of come back around. And I think that we're on the cusp of that. And, uh, I'm positioning myself and my brand to be a part of, of, of that resurgence. So. Um, you know, I don't know if masks will be around forever. I'm okay with wearing a mask. Um, you know, it doesn't bother me, um, but uh, I do think that we will come on the other side of this, and we will all be drinking champagne and um, and having the time of our lives because we know what it's like to to not know if tomorrow is promised. You know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I love it And I'm glad you're speaking a little bit to the men I'm Also, I never have a lot of men on this show So I appreciate you bringing Some testosterone So you have to wear something And fellas, if you're listening The 30% of you that are men Like, if you want a bad bitch like Rihanna Like, get get your closet together (laughs) Get your grooming together Like, it's not a waste of time Absolutely And, you you know, your fantasy football t-shirt And all of that Like, there are that for that just not every day. Okay? And and even
1: and even speaking to, you know, your 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 female, your your women audience, you know, your your audience, you know, of, of women, you know, they have to they have to look at guys. You know, they're they're looking at their husbands, they're looking at their spouses, they're looking at their friends and they want the best for them. You know what I'm saying? So Women dial into this too. Like, what are what are what are guys into? Like, what are we what are we wearing? You know, when you're you know out shopping and you want to buy, you know, your husband, your fiance, your you know whatever, you know the male counterpart in your life, you want him to look good as well. You know, so it's great to for women to be clued into you know what men are wearing too. A lot of in you know it's so funny because the trend now is unisex. You know, women are wearing men's clothing, men are wearing women's clothing. You know, so the trend is you know find you a find you know a, a nice white dress shirt and put a belt around your waist and you know and go out and and party you know what i'm saying like yeah, there's a, stuff there's is a gender lot gender
0: neutral like everything, so is, ge- everything
1: and, is gender yeah. neutral you know so it's it's important that you know everybody stay up you know and stay abreast on you know what everyone else is doing because there's creativity in it all
0: um and I, I want to talk a little bit about blackness, um, <laughs> blackness and you being a tailor and what some may, may consider you to be a unicorn, mm-hmm. right? Um, being a black tailor, cause I haven't met many. Usually we go to dry cleaners and it's usually like Asian owned or South right. Asian owned and that's where we get our alterations done. Right. Um, so. But I also, when I think about where things come from, when you talk about the textile market, like if you go to Africa, I mean, there's tons of people sewing and Absolutely. creating fabric and things like that. So it's really not that far-fetched mm-hmm. that black men, women, whoever make clothing and are sewers. And right. I've been watching, um, you know, this latest competition because I like to watch the fashion competitions. Do you watch those?
1: I like, do not. I don't. Okay. watch them. But <laughs> yeah, I hear. No, I, but I'm I hear a lot about rowing. them.
0: Say that
1: again. I said, I, I hear them all the time. I've been asked, like, you know, would you ever do a, a, a competition show? But not really my lane, but more power to them.
0: Yeah, yeah, it just seems intense, and it seems like there's a lot of unnecessary drama. But anyway, I've been it's... watching the um the hype on HBO, and what I like is I, I do love streetwear, and I do love this marriage between streetwear and and luxury mm-hmm. because I think it's a homage to Black culture, and, and you know, Black and brown kids, usually low income mm-hmm. Black and brown kids, created all of this hip hop and you know right. style, and so I love that they have Beffy, you know, uh, as a as a judge and Offset. I was surprised that Offset knew as much about Fabric and uh, production. Right. he does. I was mm-hmm. very surprised, but he knows his shit. Okay. And, you know, multiculturalism is a thing, too. It's like people of color and then black. There's a big difference between people of color mm-hmm. and black people. There's mm-hmm. just a huge difference, and we're all having different experiences in America. Absolutely. And we all are affected in different ways by you know white supremacy so you know the thing about the show is that you know one of the best sewers on the show is a black woman although i fear that she may not win it because this happens all the time every competition show i watch Uh they do that diversity thing where they have one black contestant and that contestant eventually ends up getting voted off Uh right Mm -hmm. so it's just like it's never like a real opportunity for the black designer to shine but I'm, I'm gonna keep watching it because it is more hip-hop focused so a person of color is more likely to you know win the entire competition okay but I do love that they're showing black men and women like sewing mm-hmm. and, and all of that so is there an opportunity for this to come back as a trade or be more significant in our community because you know we, we're told to go to college and Become a yeah. doctor, a lawyer, or or a hedge fund manager, or right. something like that. You know, right. like, are we missing out by not learning these trades?
1: Absolutely. Um, it's it's so funny that you say that because that's what we're taught, right? Like, you go to these schools, you know, get your education, go out for, you know, if you have, it's kind of like the, the passions and the trades that we all want to take part in, um, are suppressed by our parents who are saying, okay, you can go to school if I'm paying for it. You're not going to school for this. You're going to school for that, you know, doctor, lawyer, you know, whatever it is business, you know, that's what you're going to school for. And unfortunately there are so many opportunities. And this is something that I learned at Ralph is that there are so many different opportunities for, um, for individuals, for, for people of color to make money in fashion houses and in any different type of creative forms um, in terms of business that we don't necessarily, that we're not privy to, you know? Um, yes, tailoring is a dying business. You know, unfortunately, a lot of, you know, even back in, in, in um, slavery days and, you know, civil rights, you know, just like back in the day, Black people, we were forced to create our own clothes, but then what happened, you know? Why why are we not still creating clothes, you know? Um, and if we are, why do we not receive that acknowledgement? So yes, to your point, um, the show that I've seen the commercial for, um, what is it called? The, 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 uh, the Hype. The Hype. Which, um, by the
0: way, that's what we call drug addicts in Chicago. Like, <laughs> dope fiends in Chicago are called hypes. Oh, so wow, every wow, time wow, I hear wow, that, wow. I'm like, is this a show about, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, drug addicts? Like, what is going on? It's a show about dope fiends. No, but, um, yes, yeah, called The Hype, and it's on HBO Max.
1: Okay, so it is very important um, that, you know, our younger generations are seeing that this is something that, and, and maybe that's why I... Um, little bit of a i kind of take a step back from competition shows because i feel as though yes we can be tailors and we can you know be seamstresses and we can you know we can sew forever and create but there are many opportunities that we just are not privy to um behind the scenes so it would be great for a show to show you know some kids who are interns at, you know, a Tom Ford or, you know, whatever brand um, that are actually running the business. You know, um, I think that, you know, these skilled trades that we have, yes, I had to go to school to learn it um, because I didn't necessarily have anyone within my village who could teach me um, how to sew a bow tie or how to create clothes. You know, a lot of that is grandmothers. And, you know, and and if that, you know, sewing machines are hard to come by nowadays, you know. Um, so I think while that is a great platform, I do think that the trade of, you know, sewing and, and, you know, tailoring, it's a tremendous opportunity. Um, we just have to make sure that we're not just sewing and that we're actually talking about the business aspect of it as well, because we can sew until we have, you know, all the clothes in the world, but how are we monetizing that to make sure that we can continue to sew? You know, how yeah, are we monetizing I you. that to I think continue? We, you know, you know? I'm-
0: you hear people saying seat at the table, you know, it's just become kind of like a goofy catchphrase, but it's true, it's like we need to be in those decision making rooms at the Absolutely. top. And you know, when I what I see happening at LBMH and caring it's like, yeah, we can applaud for Virgil, you know, right. all day, like happy right. for Virgil, you know, rooting for everybody black, always. Right. But like, okay, so how many more right. um you know, creative directors, is there space for any more black people who are not, you know, Kanye West adjacent, who are not famous, you know what I mean? There's so many talented people who are overlooked because, you know, let's keep Italy Italian and let's keep
1: French, you know, they're
0: on that over there.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that that's, you know, that's actually one of the reasons why my brand um, is called Maison is because we're not just keeping French to the French you know what I'm saying there is like there is there's Italian in my tailored. you know what I'm saying like there's a lot of there's global influence we're not just in a Americans make Americana fashion and you know and French people make French clothes you know like there's there's a a global um reach Um, that I think needs to be understood. And Yes, me being a black man, yes, I am a unicorn, and yes, I understand that, you know, having a seat at the table um, was not good enough for me. I wanted to create my table um, and then bring those who I feel as though need to be at the table to to really amplify my voice and to amplify others' voices. Um, They need to have a seat at me. Um, One of the reasons why I left Ralph, one of the main reasons why I resigned from Ralph is because I felt as though that my voice wasn't being heard. Um, Yes, I had a seat in the room, and yes, I was sitting across from from Ralph and from other decision makers, but did I feel as though that I had the voice that I needed in order to really reflect what was happening. You know, Nina Simone says, how can you be an artist if you can't reflect the times? You know, so if I'm standing in a room and, you know, I'm being overlooked, but I see that you're taking a lot of the influence from me, you know, from what I'm wearing and bringing to business meetings. But, you know, I don't have a voice in those rooms. Then, you know, I need to make my own table, you know, and that's what, you know, the goal is, is to is I'm, I'm building a table, you yeah, know, and
0: you definitely put in your time. And I think this is what happens with a lot of black people in corporate America and especially black <laughs> creatives and their ideas. It's like. They bring you in, and they want you for a specific purpose, Mm -hmm. and it's always about extraction. They want to extract and cherry pick what they want out of you, Mm -hmm. and you don't have a say-so or a hand in the decisions, you know, about your career pathing, about your development. And by the time Black people resign, I mean, they've been tired for a Right,
1: right, right. You know. You're totally right.
0: Yeah, so I applaud you making the leap and, you know, you you gave the old college try there, you know, and and all of these experiences of course I tell people like I don't love working for Tesla, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, I you know, you learn things and you bring it with you. You know, all of these experiences matter, you know, to have. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely to have. Um but yeah, okay. Well, I appreciate your time and being on. You have to wear something. Absolutely. I'm this is, fun. This of, is great. <laughs> of this your great. time. I'm so glad. You know, any other like Black creators, creators, I love to speak to them because I know sometimes it feels like the network is like, we're all doing our own thing with our heads down. And Mm -hmm. that's what I really loved about that event is there was a lot of, particularly like Black people was like, oh, okay, I just met like seven people, Black people in fashion. who normally would not have met, right? Right, right. We have to um, be there for each other, support each other and keep uh passing the baton so i i look forward to see what you're you're doing in the future
1: absolutely thank you so much for having me we need platforms like yours and you know this is it's a, it's a blessing to be able to to amplify my voice through your platform so thank you so much for inviting me on your show
0: thank you and guys girls whoever reach out to Maison brandon earl follow him on instagram like his stuff absolutely um, reach out to him dm his if you are interested in any kind of tailoring. And on that note, as I always say, till next time, peace.
1: Peace.